welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. Thank you for listening to the Activate podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, ministry resource of Journey Church International here in Lee Summit. My name is Ryan, and I'm on the ministry team here at Journey. Honored to get to, to host today with Pastor Christian. Uh, this Sunday's Mother's Day, so you got a special message for moms, and it's called The Church in Her House. And the Bible text is uh, from Colossians 4, but you got a, a bunch of other great uh, Bible texts that you talk about from Hannah to Mary uh, in Luke 1. But if you're listening for the first time, welcome. We're glad uh, maybe someone sent this to you. Maybe uh, it was passed on as a way to help grow your faith. We really want to be here to, to challenge you and help you grow in your faith. So it's Mother's Day, and one of the first things you talk about um, and I have been called this, uh, is a mama's boy. <laughs> and that's not always a good title, right? It's not always a good title to be right. called a mama's boy, but it's a blessing to be one. Right. Um, I'm, I've always been really close. I love my dad, but I've always been really close uh, with my mom. Um, I was doted on, and I'm still doted on uh, as, a, as a mama's boy. But uh, how about you? How about uh, your mama? <laughs> so my mom was a PK. She was a pastor's kid. Um, and my mom was just the was and is the biggest fan of her kids and of her yeah. husband and of her grandkids. Um, like she will fight you if you are not <laughs> as much of a fan yeah. of her kids and her grandkids as she is. Um, my mom always one of my spiritual memories of my mother is one she was always there. Uh, so she was she was kind of our grade leader every step of the way. Uh, I remember her being in the kids' ministry when we were young. I remember her uh, leading the Bible quizzing um, part of our church when, you know, we learned to memorize Scripture and went and actually competed kind of like in Awana games, but in Bible quizzing with Scripture, being a student ministry leader. I always remember her being a part of my church experience. remember her singing in the choir, singing on the praise team, um, and, and then so many of the spiritual disciplines that are near and dear to my heart now. Uh, I always remember my mom's Bible being open on her mm -hmm. nightstand. She always had a devotional that she was reading through. She was always journaling. Um, I remember going to read some of her journals every now and then when uh, when I wondered what she was thinking about certain things. Uh, mom was the one at our house that paid the bills, so she was always the one who cut the tithe check. And when we were little, she would cut it and let us put it in the offering. Mm -hmm. I, I just remember watching my mom be a Christian. Uh, and to this day, at 70, uh, mom is serving in the church and doing all of those things and reading her Bible. We're reading a devotional together this year by Warren Wearsby through uh, through the book of Psalms. So, yeah, always remember mom being a cheerleader of life, and now she's become kind of a cheerleader of ministry life for me. It's cool. Actually, my mom and I got saved within about a year of each other. My dad had come to Christ about five years before and started praying for me, and I can honestly say, even though they were not married anymore, I believe he certainly prayed for my mom, and, and now she's fired up on fire for Jesus. And uh, I served with your mom Monday at the Impact Center. Yeah, I figured you um, did, yeah. Stocking stuff, and she, she was one of the many in charge there that knew everything that was going on and where everything needed to go and how yeah. everything process, needed to go. Yeah, yeah and she... Um, yeah, she and her new husband, R.T., are yeah. just the best in leveraging their hands and their hearts for the needs of our community. Yeah. So Mother's Day also can be painful for yeah. many. You kind of talk about this yep. for a lot of reasons. Uh, we supported a ministry called Lullaby of Hope on yep. Mother's Day. 
Could you speak a word of encouragement maybe to the folks where Mother's Day is more of a, a painful reminder? Yeah, so Danielle and I got married young enough. I was 20, she was 19, and had kids young enough that we we didn't even understand um, that fertility issues, miscarriage issues, stillborn issues. Um, we were so young with kids, we didn't even realize that was an issue for so many and painful for so many. And Ryan, I think I was in ministry for a decade or more before I realized just the reality of tension with mom and grandma and how, how many people not are estranged, but, li- but living in contentious relationships with family and extended family. And Mother's Day is just a reminder of that. Uh, everyone being told Happy Mother's Day who has had a, a bad experience or is having a bad experience with mom or as a mother um, or grandmother. Um, you know, and then all those who would maybe like to be moms who for one reason or another are not. I just think we have to acknowledge um, not to take away from the great things that we're celebrating with moms and grandmas, but I just, I, I think, um, not that we'd be heartless, but we would miss not saying, hey, some of you are here in spite of Mother's Day, not because of Mother's Day. We want you to know we see you and we love you, and if we can serve you in any way, we certainly uh, want to do that. Just off the cuff, I felt led to do that several years ago um, for, no, for no reason in particular, and I just had so much positive feedback of really particularly ladies and then a couple men who had lost their mothers reaching out and saying thank you. Um, I was not going to come because I knew the day was going to be all about mom, and for me that's a, a hard subject, um, but it, it made me feel seen and I was able to lean into the spiritual truth uh, just because I felt like my heart was protected being a part of your church. And we have all the above at our church. Oh, yeah. We've had people who definitely have fertility issues, yeah. uh, have lost stillborns, have lost yeah. uh, kids who've been born. Yep. I mean, we've had a, a number of them where being a mom or losing theirs has been really painful. Yeah, and I think at, at 44 <clears throat> now, um, I, and, you know, you're in your late later <laughs> late, 40s later as of 40s. today. Happy birthday today. Yeah, thank you. Um, <clears throat> I mean, we, yeah, we both have family. I don't know anyone in their mid-40s who doesn't know somebody. Right in my early twenties, I knew nobody, and you know, in my mid forties, I give me a give me a legal pad and a pen, and I can write down dozens and do- like just life experience helps you understand more what what people have what people have gone through and are struggling with. Yeah, my mom miscarried her first. Mm. Um, my wife miscarried. You, yeah. you came and I remember were there being after. at your house. Yeah, yeah, we miscarried our first. So, yeah, it can be tough, uh, but it's also, uh, of course, a, a day to celebrate, and and we're going to do that as well. The, the two moms you focus on in this message are Hannah, Samuel's mother, uh, we read in the Old Testament, who we read about in 1 Samuel chapter 2, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, uh, who we read about in Luke chapter 1. These, these two moms drew their strength from God to endure through challenges that they faced. And, and you go on to say this. You say, tell the people in your life how God has brought strength to your soul. So why is, why is being able to tell your story so important? So really, we focus on three moms in the story. We begin in Colossians 4.16, where Paul says, hey, make sure you you say hey to Nympha and the church that meets in her home. And the whole premise of the message was, hey, moms, if you have a home, you should have a church that meets in your home. Of course, we talked about the Greek word for church being ecclesia, those things that are called out. So we, we told moms, call things out, call things out of the people who meet in your home. Make sure your home is a called out group of people. Um, and what's interesting about Nympha, you know, being named after a Greek goddess, probably she did not grow up 
in church. She probably grew up in a family that worshiped pagan gods, but here she was now not only a follower of Jesus, but hosting a congregation of a follower of Jesus in her home. So we don't want to forget about her because she kind of is the, she's the basis for the subject of our message. But I think just being able to tell your story very specifically to your kids. Um, Ryan, the stories in the Bible are great, and Jesus is great. But we, we don't want to make Jesus seem like a historical figure and Christianity seem like a historical religion. Jesus is alive, and he's a very present figure, and Christianity is a very real-time and future religion. So I think when we tell our story and we tell our story appropriately, it's just like the 67th book of the Bible um, where we, you know, we, we say, we, we tell everything that God did in Scripture and in history that was revealed to us by God, but then, but then we add our story, right? And we quote Revelation 12 in the message that uh, it's the blood of the Lamb, what Jesus did on the cross, and the testimony of his saints that defeats the evil one, that ultimately continues to remind people that God is on the throne and that, and that Jesus wins. So I think telling your story is just such a, a valuable part of making sure that Christianity um, is not a history lesson and that Jesus is not a historical figure like George Washington. You know, we know his stories and he's on a quarter, but like he's, he's not still doing anything. He's like, no, Jesus is still real time. Let me tell you about my life the last decade, the last 40 years, the last 40 days. Let me tell you what Jesus is alive and still doing in my life. It's one of the reasons why in our Best Day Ever party, we spend time not only helping people understand salvation, but telling their story, Yeah, talking about what God's done in their life and, and how they can now share that with other people. Yeah, and, and I mean, what's so interesting, if in, and we didn't go into tremendous detail of Hannah's story, but Hannah revealed a lot of her pain in her story, um, you know, of, of saying, I was the woman called cursed because I was barren, and now I'm going to be called blessed because of what God has done in my life. Uh, Mary, who we talk about, um, is praising God for the great things going on while living under Roman occupation as an unwed pregnant teenager. Like, all the situation of her life was going wrong, but the spiritual things were having tremendous, tremendous impact. So I think when you're able to share your story against the backdrop of darkness, which both Hannah and Mary did, I think your light shines even even brighter, because both of these ladies had their story in a song against the backdrop of difficult things in their life and the world, yet God, their Savior, was working in their favor and in the world. So the faith of Mary was based on God's deeds, right. um, and you go on to talk about stones of remembrance. Powerful deeds, yeah. Yeah, stones yep. of remembrance. And one of our reflection questions for Friday of this week uh, from Luke one fifty one, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. And so you have a key reflection question. What is one of the greatest things that God has done in your life, and how can you make that a stone of remembrance that you can focus on at least weekly? So are you asking me that I'm question? I'm asking you. <laughs> so, or how can someone apply that? Ah, that's a, that's a great question. So several weeks ago, we had a similar question, and I shared my $3 story. When's the time God's worked in your life that's mm-hmm. been... You know, like, um, it, it's just been so clear. Um, I, th- I think people can, so we handed out a little jar, right, with Bible verses and Scripture verses. I think one of, the, one of the things that people can do when they have a stone of remembrance that is a response to a promise um, or lends credibility to a promise of Scripture 
um, or is proof of a promise of Scripture, meaning there's a very specific verse. Uh, I've seen so many people that have really um, intricate, pretty, um, and centralized artwork in their home that is, is either artwork of something that happened in the Bible or very specific Scripture um, in the Bible. Uh, in my mom's home still, Jeremiah 29, 11, uh, has been a verse that's near and dear to my heart for a long, long time. I thought that it's something I found in college as I began to read the Bible um, and embraced um, for my story. But once it became real to me, I went home and I saw it hanging in my mom's bathroom. And I thought, man, has that verse been hanging there the whole time? Is the reason this verse is so real to me because I've read it my entire life, but now my eyes are just open to it? I think sometimes when we when we put those those promises as stones of remembrance around in our home. It just helps us kind of reflect on the truth of who God is and what God has done. Um, So I I think those are great ways when a promise of Scripture has come true in your life. And there's a verse that kind of says it uh, of being able to display that in some way, because I think it just continues to build your faith, right? We said today at our staff church, faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the Word of God. And if we can continue to keep the Word of God in front of our eyes. It's just going to build our faith every time we see it and reflect on it. We've done similar things uh, in our kids' rooms. We've got Scripture that... Yep. W- find a Scripture or two that means something right. to you, and let's put it on the wall. And then my oldest, not only did she do this for herself before she went to college, but I, before she had left, she had kind of highlighted them and made them mm-hmm. even bigger on the mirror, but she wrote to her two younger sisters who, mm-hmm. you know, let's face it, we, right. we tend to all spend time in the mirror, and we wonder... Am I good enough? Am I whatever? Right. And, and so she wrote stuff like, you're beautiful and you're wonderfully made. And just these reminders to, uh, for us to remember the promises of God, that we are important in His eyes, we are wonderfully created. So, yeah, so it was just a great uh, question. And hopefully if you're listening and you're doing these, you'll, you'll put these in places where you can remember these promises and these truths in your life. Yeah, and I, share, I, mean, I shared one of my... In in that exact same kind of tone, I shared one of my stones of remembrance scripturally today in our staff church. One of my coaches at Fellowship of Christian Athletes Camp my junior year mm. blocked out a section of scripture in, in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 3 where Paul's praying that the church in Ephesus will know how wide and how deep and how high um, God's love is for them. And I talked about how that coach, just like Hannah did with you know her younger sisters, highlighted that and said, I'm pr- like, I'm praying this happens for you. Every time I read that scripture, I remember um, Coach Cliff uh, and him pour- not only pouring into my life for a week, but wanting God to pour that into my life for a lifetime. So yeah, I, I think memorializing scripture and the stories around it doesn't just help you remember the moment, but it helps you remember the truth, and the truth will build your faith. Well, I wish I had heard that message before my conversation with, with my son this morning. Today was his last day of school. And I just grabbed him, and I prayed with him, and I just said, Mace, enjoy it. Like, enjoy your last day of school, but know God's got a plan for you. Yep. He loves you. He's going to use you. Don't worry if you don't have it all figured out right now. He's not sure what his future plans are. And I, I said, I love you, but I wish I could have yeah, right. had because I could have I read that and like right. just said, if you ever wonder, look back and remember this, how much God loves you and how, right. he, and how he's, he's going to use you in your right. life. So I, I, I mark that in my Bible, and I'll be sharing that with them. So our mission statement, right, we say often we exist to see people far from God become passionate Christians who make a difference in the world. We've said it thousands of times over the years. 
In order to reach people who are far from God, we need to be able to demonstrate mercy. So how how do you hope our community sees Journey and the people of Journey? Man, so one of the ways we translated mercy, this beautiful word in the Hebrew language, chesed, was compassionate pity. Um, Not that I feel sorry for you, but I feel sorrow with you. I think there are a lot of people in our very altruistic society, which means we ought to be helping people, um, who feel pity, who feel sorry for people, um, and really feeling sorry for people moves them to help. Um, But compassion means you feel it in you, not around you. So it's, it's, it's way different to feel sorry for someone and to feel sorrow with someone. And what Jesus did... Jesus came not because God felt sorrow, sorry for us, but because God needed to feel sorrow with us. He needed to experience all of our sorrow, all of our brokenness, all of our pain, because only then could he, every time we went to him in our sorrow, brokenness, and pain, say, me too. Um, I can walk with you through this because I've experienced it. So I think, you know, the, the definition that we used of loyal love and compassionate pity which means I always have your best spiritual interest um, in mind, and I'm always loyal to you spiritually. And when things go wrong, I'm not sorry for you. Um, I'm in sorrow with you. Let's us see both the relational side of God and the human side of God that came and experienced what we're experiencing so that when we go through it, he can help us. And I think it's, it's so important. Ryan, the most sensitive ministers and ministry leaders in our church have been through the most difficult situations. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's important to try to feel what people are feeling and to understand things from their perspective. It's really hard to have mercy if you cannot feel with people what they're feeling. So I just think as Christians taking a step back and not trying to step in and be the hero because you feel sorry for someone, but trying to step in and feel empathy and feel sorrow with someone is really critical because that's what Jesus does for us, and his followers should do that for other people. And hopefully that's the posture. Of course, this summer is our Serve Week, right? Right, And we have this big emphasis on serve with a friend. We want people to say, right. hey, neighbor, hey, friend, let's go serve the community together. But hopefully the, the heart of our people is that they let people know we're for them, right? That's kind of right. our, I don't want to say a tagline, but we want people to know we're for them and not just in their community. Right, specifically people who are hurting. Yeah, we see yeah. you. We see we you in sorrow and we with help. you. Yes. We want to come alongside you. And many of our projects are long-term, right? Right. It, sometimes it's effective to come one time a year to do uh-huh. something, right. but often, you know, we do serve, um, uh, serve Saturdays every month with, consistent partners because we want them to know, look, we'll be back. We care for you. We love you. We want to walk with you and help you. So, yeah, I, I agree. I hope that's the heart that our people do that, not just while they're serving, but while they're living next to their neighbors and in right. their and in their work and, and uh, relationships. You finished the message talking about the Messiah is not just the anointed king of Israel, but the heavenly king of your heart. Right. Can you drive home this Jesus assignment, not only to moms, but to all of our listeners? Yeah, so this, this, is an incredible, this is an incredible point of the message that I probably won't take enough time to unpack, because Hannah ends her prayer by celebrating her anointed king. 
you say, what's so curious about that? There had never been a king in Israel, and at this time there was never supposed to be a king right. in Israel. God was supposed so, to be the king. Yeah, so she wasn't talking about David. She wasn't talking about Solomon. She wasn't talking about Saul. She was not talking about a human king. And the word anointed, yeah, literally means assignment. She, she was praying in faith that God had someone whose assignment was to lead and rule her life. And she trusted that, and she prays that, and, and she believed that. She, she had lived a left, enough life to know, I don't have the thing figured out on my own, so I'm going to trust that God has given someone the assignment to sit on the throne of my life and take care of me. So it really was almost prophetic in saying, this is what I'm looking forward to. Um, and we say, yeah, Jesus', Jesus assignment was to come sit on the throne of our heart so that we can know who he was. Mary, when she sang her song celebrating Jesus, um, probably in the best Greek language, uh, in the New International Version that we studied, said, my soul glorifies the Lord. Word glory means weight um, or feel. It, you know, it's allowing someone to feel. Um, in, the, in the New King James Version, the Old King James Version, uh, Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord. Because of that, in church history, Mary's song has been called the Magnificat. But when you look at that word, she literally said, my soul, think of a magnifying glass. My soul makes Jesus, my Savior, bigger to everyone else around me. I think that is the assignment, not only of every mother for the church in her home, but for every Christian for the people in their life. When I understand the mercy of God, the mission of God, when I understand the Messiah, gosh, I pray my soul magnifies puts a magnifying glass on who Jesus is. So he goes from like this big to this big in the eyes of everyone around me. So that is the assignment that, that Hannah prayed, God, I'm, I'm just confident you've assigned someone to come sit on the throne of my life and help me. And then Mary to turn around and say, and my assignment, now that I know who that is, is to make sure that the whole world sees him and sees him very, very clearly through my life. So the end of the message, tying, tying Hannah's hope with Mary's reality and Hannah's prophecy. Tell me, God, there's a king, an anointed king, who's going to come sit on the throne of my heart with Mary's reality of there is an anointed king, and now that he's on my heart, I've got to figure out how to show him to the whole world. Um, I just love how the message ties together with the promise of Jesus, um, the hope of Jesus, and then the mission of Jesus for people who know him. So that may very well be the answer to the last question <laughs> as well, right, is, you know, when we hear something in the message and we learn it, how, what do we want to share with someone else? So from this message, if, if not what you just shared, is there something else that you would have them share with someone? So the only thing we haven't discussed from the message very specifically is point number two, right? So we have, you got to, calling number one, you got to tell them what God's done in your life. Calling number three, you got to tell them who God can be in their life. Calling number two, you got to show them what God's doing in the world. We've got to, and you and I have, you and I have had this discussion on this podcast where, you know, we've, we've talked about doctors at training hospitals that I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do a surgery while you watch and you're going to do one while I watch and I'm going to watch you teach someone else how to, how to do one. Then I'm going to know. It's like we just narrate everything. This is why I'm doing this. This is why I'm doing this. This is what this is going to accomplish. Here's what I just did now. So literally you're narrating all of life. We have to begin for the people in our life to show them how we see God and what we see God doing. So Hannah talking about the character of God in her prayer. Mary talking about the deeds of God in her prayer. 
I just think we've we've got to get to the point where we more clearly speak what God is doing, what we see in God. The God behind the sunset, not the sunset. The God behind the storm, not the storm. The God behind the beautiful flowers, not the flowers. Um, the God behind a, a great date night. The God behind a, re, a relaxing weekend. The God behind the size of the mountains in Colorado. The God behind and in charge of the ocean that doesn't come beyond its boundaries. We've we've got to take the everyday life that we have. you know. And, and a lot of Christians do this culturally in America when we pray for our food. But our food is not the only thing God has given us every day. God, thanks for the food. Hey, God, thanks for the breath in our lungs. Hey, God, thanks for the car that we drive. Hey, God, thanks for the freedoms that we have. I mean, like, you literally all day, every day, could talk about the God behind the world. And I think if we could get people to begin to do that, um, I think it was was either Habakkuk or Haggai who said one day, the glory of God will fill the earth as waters cover the sea. That means completely. When Christians begin to talk about the God behind everything, oft, as often as we see and think of him, we'll be much closer to the glory of God covering the world, at least in our conversations, as waters cover the sea. So I, I think that would, that would be the point. Learn to verbally narrate and in text messaging and in social media engagement, just to talk about the God behind the moment. So I, I loved it. So as, as we're as we're sitting here today, last night the Kansas City Royals beat the St. Louis Cardinals seven to nothing. Um, our rookie phenom Bobby Witt Jr. hit his first home run. Another more one, like a golf swing. It did look like a golf <laughs> swing that went 417 feet. Yeah. yeah, I mean he he missed it and, yeah. hit, and hit it a long way. And then another one of our young up and comers, MJ Melendez. Um, came and got his first hit. Yep. Um, the the Melendez family, I've spent just a tiny bit of time with in Arizona with some of the guys in our church who are part of the Royals organization. Um, they're a family with a with a deep faith walk. Hmm. And for him for him to say, right, so he's being interviewed in front of the Kauffman Stadium crowd, hey, what did it feel? Um, he just said, I just have to thank God for giving me this opportunity. It's a little bit like that. It is, he didn't have to say that. Yeah. But he believed it. And a lot of times we believe God puts us in scenarios and situations and opportunities, but we never say it out loud. And I think if we could begin to call it very specifically in our families, in an, in an our, relation, our discipleship relationships, if we began to just continue to point to the God behind the reality, um, that we could get closer to the glory of God covering the earth as the waters cover the sea. So I think that would be a good challenge to try this month to lean into, hey, when we see something that touches our soul, let's verbally, in print, in conversation, somehow give glory to God. And if we go a step further and even go find a verse that said God was planning to do that, um, yeah, that that would be even better. Yeah, and then share it with somebody else for sure as often as you can. And that's yes. and that's our hope with this podcast, right? To take not only what you share with our congregation, but then to unpack it more. And many of you who are listening. My hope is you'll share this with friends and family because you've discovered it to be a tool that challenges you, yep. and that's what we want to do. We want to help activate people's faith. If you got a question, uh, we don't get many questions. We'd love to get more. If you if we got a question, uh, email us at activate at takethejourney.cc. If we can do something for you, minister to you, uh, point you to a church. If you're listening from an area outside of Kansas City, we'd be glad to do that. Otherwise, we look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast. 
where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Activate. We would love for you to join us in person for one of our weekly worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. Help us get the word out about this resource. You can do so by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing this episode on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.